0: On episode 489 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Sal DiStefano and discuss his book, The Resistance Training Revolution, The No-Cardio Way to Burn Fat and Age-Proof Your Body in Only 60 Minutes Per Week. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40 com forward slash 489. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. Let me ask you a question. If you were in the same place one year from now, same weight? same health markers, same fitness. How would you feel? Okay, now a follow-on question. What are you doing to make next year better? Listening to Health and Fitness Podcast isn't going to do anything. You must take action if you want to change. In the 40 Plus Fitness 12-Week GAS program, we're doing just that. I provide the GAS, guidance, accountability, and support. And you take the wheel and go. I'm so sure you'll get results on this program that I offer a full 100% money-back guarantee. Action, results. If you're tired of being stuck in the mud, do your future self a favor and go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash gas. Complete the short application and we'll figure out what you need to do to make sure you're not the same next year. 40 gas. Hey Raz. how are things going?
1: Good, Alan. How are you today?
0: Uh I'm on a in. Uh, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. I uh, still Good. have almost a whole other week of uh, quarantine. Uh, the way they do it here is you if you test negative, I mean test positive, then um, yay, I passed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then you have to spend two weeks going through uh quarantine. So mm-hmm. Tammy and I have been pretty much locked upstairs at the bed and breakfast for um, a little over a week and a half now. Mm -hmm. So we're on kind of, you know, the wind down days. Uh, We're recording this on a Monday. And so on Thursday, technically, I think she can go in and get tested. And then Friday would be my day to go back in and get tested. So I'm not sure if we're going to try to go together or, or how exactly that's going to work out. Um, But anyway, we'll go back and get tested and hopefully everything will be negative then and we can, mm-hmm. uh, we can resume our lives, but, um, yeah, feeling better. It's slowly getting back on my feet. And
1: Good. Getting
0: things done. I fell way behind on, on everything <laughs> oh, for uh, sure. But, uh, you know, cause you can't sleep 20 hours, 16 hours a day and and be productive. Right. Um, <laughs> my goodness. I was, I was eating or sleeping. Uh, that was pretty much it, uh, for, oh. for about three or four days there. So.
1: Wow. Well, I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better then. That's good. Good.
0: How are things up there?
1: Oh, good. We're finally getting some good weather. I'm heat acclimating, getting ready. I'll, I'm looking at my taper now for my 50 miler. will be coming up in a couple of weeks. It'll probably be very close to when this airs. So I'm kind of looking at the taper phase right now, just taking it down a notch and getting used to running in the heat. So, but it's yeah. been good. Hydrate. lots and lots. Hydrate, (laughs) hydrate.
0: And if you need to, go back and listen to the last couple episodes because, you know, there's a couple Mm -hmm. out there. And hydration is one of the keys uh, for making sure that you're in a good state to uh, get your 50 in. That's for sure. Yeah, thanks so much. All right. So let's have this conversation with Sal. Our guest today is a personal trainer and co-founder and co-host of Mind Pump, an online radio show podcast that is dedicated to providing truthful fitness and health information. He is also the designer of the Muscular Adaptation Programming System, MAPS. He is dedicated to prioritizing health over appearance, and he aims to shift the direction of the fitness industry from aesthetic and insecurity-based to one based on self-love, and self-care. With no further ado, here is Sal DiStefano. Sal, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. You know, your book, The Resistance Training Revolution, I think if we stopped right there, you'd lose a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you have this subtitle. It's a really cool subtitle that says, The No Cardio Way to Burn Fat and Age-Proof Your Body in Only 60 Minutes Per Week. Yes that rings a bell.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, the publisher actually, the, the publisher really wanted that, uh, that in, uh, you know, on the cover and I was slightly no pun intended resistant to it because it sounds a little bit like a lot of the stuff we hear from the fitness space, whenever they're trying to market a new diet or, you know, new workout plan, but I knew I could back it up, uh, with the information in the book and you're right. Resistance training you know, to people like us in fitness, we we know what that means. But the average person probably doesn't have an idea, or if they do, it's not the right idea uh, in terms of what I'm talking about. So, um, so we put the whole thing there, so it made sense to people who had no, who didn't know.
0: Yeah, and and when you get into the book, it'll it'll make a ton of sense to you why why he put it that way and, and exactly what what we're after here. Uh, but let's just kind of dive right on in. Um, you know, a lot of people will hear terms like weightlifting and workout and, you know, they walk into a weight room and honest truth, most of them never make it past the treadmills. Uh, you know, you've, you've run a gym, so, you know, the treadmills are always in the front of the gym because that's about as deep as three quarters of the people are going to make it. And, um, they don't really see changes in their body or their health or their fitness, over the course of even maybe years of of only going that deep into the gym. Why is resistance training so good for us?
2: Well, resistance training, first off to define it, right? It's uh, utilizing resistance in a specific way to build strength and muscle. So it's not just using resistance, right? It's using it in a way designed to build specifically strength and muscle. So you could grab, you know, you could, uh, you know, walking uses resistance because you're using your body. So does running, so does swimming, but none of those are, uh, are done in a, in a fashion, uh, to, to really focus on building strength and muscle. So resistance training, that's kind of the umbrella term. And there's lots of different ways, uh, to, to perform resistance training in that way, right? You can use just your body weight, uh, just your body weight can provide most people with sufficient resistance, especially with the right workout plan to elicit those types of things that I talked about, strength and muscle. You could also use, of course, weights, dumbbells and barbells. You could use machines and resistance bands um, and, and pretty much anything that'll give you resistance that you can use in the ways that I outlined uh, can be classified as resistance training. Now, why is it so valuable? Resistance training elicits an adaptation response in the body that is extremely protective and directly counters all of the uh, the chronic health issues that are a result of the modern lives that we live in. Um, so if you look at modern societies, and especially if you were to compare modern societies to pre-modern societies, you would see that we have some pretty unique chronic health issues. The most obvious being uh, obesity. Obesity was largely a non-issue for most of human history. It wasn't a problem. We we didn't die from, uh, eating too much or having too much body fat it just didn't happen. But, uh, because we've made food so easily accessible and palatable and because our, our lives are so extremely sedentary and because, and I talk about this in the book, we become, we've become very weak with very little strength and muscle. Obesity now is a reality for a majority of people that live in modern societies and obesity Uh, contributes to quite a few chronic health issues, Um, diabetes, dementia, Alzheimer's, heart disease, um, you know, and the list goes on. Um, And then even without obesity, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's, diabetes, there is a significant portion of people who will suffer from those things who are not obese, but they are also uh, oftentimes a result of modern life. Um, And so Understanding this, and there's, there's much more that goes into this, right? So, you know, modern life is very busy yet sedentary. Most people will not dedicate more than two or three days a week of exercise in their schedule. It just doesn't, just doesn't work for most people. I've learned this through decades of training people. When you consider all these factors, there's only one form of exercise that really is effective at helping us. And it's not the one that most people do or the one that most people pick, or even the one that most doctors have recommended in the past. The one form of exercise that's best for all of this is resistance training. Um, and, uh, of course, a lot of people, when they hear that, especially when I say lifting weights, they, you know, picture bodybuilders or, you know, people with extreme bodies. And that's uh, uh, that's unfortunate. And really, that's the result of a lot of misinformation, stereotypes, and stigma that are um, almost entirely false that really don't apply uh, to the average person, so the goal with the book was to illuminate that, to to change, to get the average person to understand the value of resistance training and to pick up some weights or do some some form of that exercise in pursuit of improving their health or even just to look better.
0: Yeah, and and being over forty, you know, you brought this up in the book as well. There's things happening in our body that weight training and resistance training is going to specifically address, uh, such as uh, hormone imbalances, like particularly with testosterone. Uh, it's going to address some other issues like osteopenia. Can you go a little bit into those benefits?
2: Yeah, so uh, let's start with bone loss uh, or bone weakening, which is actually quite a big problem. Even even affects men. It affects more women, but it also affects men. So this is the weakening of bone, osteopenia. And then, of course, when it gets real bad, it becomes osteoporosis. And this can become a, quite a big problem. Resistance training. Remember, the the, the primary adaptation uh, that resistance training causes in the body. And this is, by the way, a, a good conversation that we can get into a little later in terms of when you view exercise, uh, you want to look at the workout and then understand the adaptations that the exercise or workout is causing in the body rather than just looking at the calories burned while performing the exercise. So when we look at the adaptations, which are to build strength and muscle, um, it also directly does that to bone because muscle anchors at bone. So studies will show that most forms of exercise have some positive effect on bone, but usually it's very little. For example, uh, people with osteopenia, if they run or walk, or cycle, they'll notice a little bit of an increase in bone mass in the lower extremities, not much in the upper extremities. Uh, Swimming, you'll see really small incremental changes. With resistance training, it's like night and day. Like nothing comes close to the bone strengthening effects of uh, resistance training. Now you mentioned hormones. A lot of people uh, like to hear about this one because you know, as we get older, um, we start to feel differently. Maybe libido drops a little bit. It's not as easy for us to burn body fat our skin, you know, doesn't look the same. We don't have the same vigor. And some of that is a result of just getting older. And some of that is a result of of changes in hormones. For example, in men, testosterone levels start to decline, um, you know, right around in our 30s. And it just continues that way until the day we die. Uh, And women, um, aside from menopause, they still get imbalances with estrogen, progesterone. They also have issues with Uh, their own testosterone, both men and women growth hormone, um, which some doctors will call the, the youth hormone will decline as we get older. And so a lot of people are interested in ways to naturally improve our hormone profile because it makes us feel good, right? If you give an older man testosterone, he starts to feel amazing and younger and has more vigor. If you Ah, uh, balance out a woman's hormones uh, artificially through either you know utilizing estrogen, progesterone, or even growth hormone. She'll feel the same way. She'll feel more vigor, younger, more energy. So a lot of people are interested. In how, how can I do that naturally? Well, improving your health generally will can positively affect those, but it's not a huge effect. In fact, some forms of exercise uh, tend to have a negative effect on hormones. Uh, for example, cardiovascular activity has been shown in some studies to lower testosterone quite reliably in men. In my experience in women, especially when women already present with some hormone imbalances or symptoms of hormone imbalances, cardiovascular activity can actually make that much worse. Resistance training is the only form of exercise that has been shown to reliably raise testosterone in all men. So whether your testosterone is low, in the middle, or even high, you'll get a raising of testosterone. Not only that, but it also increases the density of androgen receptors in the body. So these are the receptors that testosterone attaches to. So you want to think of testosterone as like a key and the receptor is a lock. And if you have a lot of testosterone, but you don't have very many of these locks, it's not going to do much in your body. So more androgen receptors makes your testosterone just more effective. Well, resistance training not only raises testosterone, but also increases androgen receptor density. In women, it's been shown to balance out estrogen and progesterone. In both men and women, it raises uh, growth hormone levels, brings them up to more youthful levels. In both men and women, muscle is by far the most effective way to improve insulin sensitivity, okay, which is a, v- is a very important thing, right? Uh, uh, insensitivity to is- insulin or insulin resistance ultimately causes things like diabetes, It leads to uh, cognitive dysfunction excess body fat storage especially in in places that maybe you didn't store body fat before so if you notice as you get older you're, you as you gain weight you notice your body fat is kind of being stored a little bit differently could be a result of hormone imbalances or insulin uh, resistance and so resistance training positively affects all these things and so you might wonder why why does why does lifting weights or using resistance bands or doing body weight exercises to build muscle and strength why does that have such a positive effect? On our hormones. Again, it has to do with the uh, specific adaptations that it asks the body to do. So, uh, resistance training really is the only form of exercise that we could categorize as being pro tissue. Okay. So, pro tissue in the body. Most other forms of exercise, and in particular, cardiovascular exercise, which includes running, swimming, cycling, and those kinds of workouts, those are. Anti-tissue. They tend to be. uh, They tend to want your body to get rid of uh, active tissue. So let's start with that for a second. So what does that mean, right? When you do lots of cardiovascular activity, when you do any form of exercise, your body aims at becoming better at that form of exercise, and so it adapts. That's that adaptation process, right? So if you go running and it's your first time, it's really challenging. A half a mile is very exhausting to you. Uh, Your muscles burn. Your lungs burn. It's really hard. Your body senses this as it's a stress. It's a stress on the body. And so your body says, okay, we need to get better at doing this so that next time the same uh, insult, the same stress won't bother us as much. And so you become more fit. You get better at that type of exercise. That's what adaptation is. Now, what does specifically speaking, what does, what happens to the body when your body is trying to get better at endurance type activity, which is what cardiovascular exercise is, whether you're on an elliptical or running or or riding a bike in order to get better at endurance exercise, it does a few different things. One is it learns to become more efficient with energy or more efficient with calories. Okay. Because cardiovascular activity burns a lot of calories, during the time that you're doing it. So during an hour of cardio, you're going to burn more calories than doing an hour of other forms of exercise. So within that hour of of exercise, you're burning all these calories. So your body's like, okay, we need to get better at being efficient with calories. Not unlike uh, a car that could adapt to your driving habits, becoming more of a hybrid or a one cylinder engine, right? Trying to burn less gasoline also simultaneously your body says we need stamina but we also don't need strength we just don't need much strength at all we just need endurance and so what your body does is it actually reduces muscle mass okay studies are um, very very uh, they show this very clearly that if you lose weight through diet and cardio so if that's your formula that roughly half of the weight that you lose will be muscle mass so in other words if you lose 10 pounds, five of it will be body fat, five of it will be muscle. And what this does is it slows down the metabolism, makes you more efficient with your calorie burn, and it makes you better at cardiovascular activity. And so over time, your body burns less calories. You'll notice at first you lost weight and then you stop losing weight and you plateau. This is how people experience um, cardio with diet when it comes uh, to weight loss. And they end up with a slower metabolism. But nonetheless, one of the primary adaptations is uh, even right out the gates is to reduce muscle mass to make you better and more efficient at this particular activity. So it's anti-tissue. Okay. Now think of the hormones that are involved with reducing muscle mass, or at the very least, what hormones would would combat muscle loss. Right? What hormones get in the way of losing muscle? Well, testosterone. Testosterone makes your body want to keep muscle. So this may be why cardiovascular exercise or, or endurance exercise in men has been shown to reliably lower testosterone. Your body wants to get rid of muscle. So it can't have all this testosterone floating around growth hormone is another one. You start to see over time, a reduction in, in growth hormone in women, you see a spike in cortisol. Cortisol is great for energy, but it's terrible for muscle. So when your cortisol goes up, you get a little bit hyped and energy. This is the fight or flight hormone, but over time it burns away muscle, making you more efficient at your activity. So anti-tissue. Okay. Now let's look at resistance training. Resistance training, while you're performing, you don't burn a ton of calories, at least not in comparison to other forms of exercise. But that's okay, because we're not worried about the calories we're burning in that hour of workout. In fact, even with cardio, it's still insignificant, even though it's more, still not that big of a deal. What we want to look at is, how is this telling my body to change? What are the signals that it's sending to my body? So with resistance training, my body's sensing, we need strength and we need muscle. That's what we need right now. We're not worried about being efficient with calories. We're not worried about, you know, tons of endurance. We need strength and muscle. And so you end up building muscle as a result. Now, studies show that resistance training in combination with diet. So a lot of these are the same studies you see on cardio and diets, right? So they'll compare the two. Resistance training and diet results in all fat loss. Or in some cases, you'll see fat loss with a little bit of muscle gain. So if you lose 10 pounds doing resistance training, it's all body fat Um, or you might actually gain some muscle in the process. Right now think of the hormones that are involved with building muscle, right? You need testosterone. You need growth hormone. You need to be uh, sensitive to insulin. Insulin can actually build muscle when you utilize it uh, efficiently, effectively. We can't have cortisol levels that are too high all the time. And in women, we need a balance of estrogen and progesterone. So through the, the adaptation signal, the direct adaptation that resistance training is asking the body uh, to engage in, your body optimizes its own hormones in order to adapt. So resistance training from a hormonal standpoint is incredible, it's superior. So if, you want, if, you're, if you're getting older and you want to feel younger uh, through the 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 you know the method of uh, having more youthful levels of hormones, resistance training um, stands head and shoulders above any other form of exercise.
0: Yeah. Now, um, as we get into this for someone that hasn't lifted before, I think uh, basic terms can be really important. But beyond that, you you had some specific thoughts on pretty much each of the terms that I'm going to bring up. Can you talk a little bit about reps and sets?
2: yeah and that's why those
0: are important or how we would use those.
2: yeah, I'm glad you brought this up too, because I did write the book for there's a few different people that I thought of when I wrote the book, a few avatars. Uh, one of them are the coaches and trainers uh, as a way to arm them because this is something that we're constantly having to communicate and battle with whenever we're talking to you know potential clients. So it's a great tool. Um it's I also thought about uh, primarily the average person, the average person who, when they think of exercise, uh, if their doctor tells them to work out or whatever, they don't think of resistance training. They think of going for a walk or running, swimming or cycling. So they don't know what these terms are. They might've heard reps and sets, but they don't know what they are. So a repetition is when you perform one full motion of the exercise. So let's say I'm doing a curl, right? This would be a curl, right? A rep would be bringing it up and then bringing it down. So that's one. So one repetition. A set is a number of repetitions that are performed together before I rest to perform another set. So let's say my workout uh, today consists of 10 reps of the curl. So then I'll do my 10 reps. Once I'm done with my 10th rep, I put the weight down. That is a set. So if your workout says do, you know, three sets of 10 reps of bicep curls, you know, you're supposed to perform this exercise with, for 10 reps, rest, and then that's one set and then repeat that two more times.
0: Okay. Another phrase you got into was range of motion. And I think this is an area that's really, really important because, uh, using proper range of motion can be huge. Uh, yes. And I see so many people in the gym that, that don't. Uh, and so can you talk a little bit about what range of motion is within the, doing the exercise and uh, how that's important to us?
2: Yeah. So range of motion really just refers to when you're doing the rep you know, how far you go down, how far, how far you go up. So just to put it quite plainly, right? So again, to do the curl all the way down, all the way up, that's my range of motion. Now range of motion, uh, there is a, an ideal range of motion for every exercise, but there's also a range of motion that's individual to the person, uh, when they're working out the, the, the best way to, uh, get the best results to gain the best results, the best benefits, all the benefits of resistance training, you want to train in a full range of motion that you own for your body. In other words, the range of motion that you have control and stability over. Okay. So if I'm doing a squat, for example, and I can go all the way down and go all the way up, but with good control, good stability, I have, you know, I'm connected to my muscles and I feel like I'm in control in the entire rep. Well, then that's the best range of motion for me. Now let's say you're doing a squat and I could go all the way down and all the way up, but at the bottom, my low back rounds and my knees cave in a little bit and I just don't have lots of stability at the bottom. Well, that's a range of motion you shouldn't train in. We're going to stop. We're going to stop you and have you train above that. So essentially you want to train within your fullest range of motion, the fullest range of motion that you have the most control and stability in. Now doing so, you'll gain strength within that range of motion And if you find that you can't perform a full range of motion because you don't have the control and stability over time, uh, challenging yourself again, within reason will elongate your range of motion and will increase your range of motion. So there's a, there's a, a common myth around resistance training that it is not a good form of exercise for flexibility. It's not a good form of exercise for mobility. And it and it makes us tight, right? People say, "Oh, if you lift weights or you do lots of resistance training, it's going to make you really stiff and tight." And and that myth, and it is a myth, it's a complete myth. Probably comes from the extreme, you know, bodybuilders that work out and they move around like they can't move very well. And and, and you know, uh, popular media probably doesn't help when bodybuilders or or people with big muscles are depicted in movies are typically depicted as being very stiff uh, and very tight. The truth is resistance training, uh, is one of the best forms of exercise for functional flexibility. Okay. So functional flexibility is the flexibility that you have strength and control over, right? So flexibility is just range of motion. Functional flexibility is, do I own that range of motion? Am I strong in that range of motion? So to give you an example, I have a, a six month old, uh, baby at home, right? So uh, new baby, six months old, He's very flexible, like most babies. I mean, I could take his legs and I can put them up by his head and put them in the splits and it's no problem. But he has very little functional flexibility. In fact, he's very unstable. So although I can take his legs and bend them all over the place, he would be prone to injury if he were to try to, to move within those ranges of motion or you know, even with load, right? He's got very little control. Resistance training, because you're training with resistance to strengthen your body, As you train within your ranges of motion and as those ranges of motion improve and increase, you own them, you control them, and you're strong within them. So it's the difference between somebody who can sit in a squat versus someone who can sit in a squat and their kid can jump on them and it doesn't hurt them. Or they can jump out of the squat and it doesn't bother them. Or they can hold something or they can do it with load. Um, So functional flexibility, which is the kind of flexibility that you need, none of us need extreme ranges of motion. You know, it's not, uh, doing the splits is cool, but the average person, there's really not a lot of value in doing the splits, but there is a lot of value in being able to twist and turn and bend over and lift a box and move the couch and play with your kids. And, you know, you step off a curb and catch yourself. So you don't hurt yourself. Those are all, uh, functional flexibility. And that's what resistance training provides. And other forms of exercise really don't, they don't, they don't provide resistance within ranges of motion, or at least not in a way that builds strength within those ranges of motion.
0: Yeah. The way I like to put it is I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is a twist and it's a stand up from a seated position, uh, all on my own, uh, right. you know, without a bar, without assistance. So, um, and I think that's really important because as we, as we look at strength, you know, st- training through the full range of motion means every rep, you're going to get more value out of it. You're not wasting energy, you know, going in there, doing half motions. You're actually getting the most out of that exercise. Another term that I think is really important when we're talking about the value of a rep is tempo. Can you talk about tempo? Tempo is just, just refers to the, the speed that
2: you perform the repetition, really. So, uh, back to the curl, right? If it takes me three seconds to go down, three seconds to go up and maybe a one second pause at the top or whatever, that would be referred to as a three, one, three tempo or whatever. We don't need to get that complicated. Uh, the average person doesn't, it's not that, not super important. What's important is to know that you want a controlled tempo when you do, um, resistance training. Okay. So there are definitely cases where a fast tempo is valuable, but really that's relegated to athletes who need speed and power. The average person, there's not a ton of value in doing fast repetitions. They tend imp- they tend to increase risk and uh, oftentimes uh, decrease the what's called the tension on the muscle. So they'll give someone not as good a results, right? So you want a controlled tempo. Um, I tend to tell people, you know, you wanna take at least three seconds on the way down and at least three seconds uh, on the way up. Just you wanna be controlled. So if I'm doing an overhead press, I'm pressing like this and then coming down rather than throwing it up and down. And having kind of this loose tempo and, and tempo is important. It, like I said, it, it reduces risk and it, it, it stimulates the muscle and the body in a more effective way. So generally speaking for most people, for most people's results, especially if your goal is fat loss, health, sculpting your body, you want a controlled tempo.
0: Yeah, because otherwise momentum's doing a lot of the work for you and you're not really in control of that weight, which like That's right. I said, is kind of dangerous. And then the final one where I think people really um, struggle is the concepts of intensity and failure. And I, I kind of lump those two a, a little bit more together, but you talked about them separately in the book. Um, can you talk a little bit about intensity and failure and why we've got to find the right mix of those and why failure isn't really the goal? Like it may, you know, you would have heard this in the past. No, no pain, no gain. Uh, You know, you got to train to failure if you want to grow. All those were kind of mantras in the gym 40 years, 30 years ago. And there's, I still hear them today. And so that's kind of, what's kind of scary is even in my forties and fifties, there's still people training that way. Yeah. Intensity is an
2: important factor in your workout, right? Because it needs to be hard enough so that it. Your body thinks that it needs to adapt in order to get better. Otherwise, your body has no reason to adapt. Adaptation takes energy, it changes your body. And your body doesn't do that for no reason. Um, especially not building muscle, right? But muscle is expensive tissue. You're only ever gonna have as much muscle and strength as your body thinks you need. You don't ever have more than it thinks you needs. Uh it, it costs calories, it takes up energy. Remember, our, we evolved for the most part um, in environments where calories are very difficult to come by. So your body doesn't want to just make you burn more calories for no reason. It's going to need a reason to. So intensity is important because I have to give my body a reason um, and intensity is part of the formula in order to, to change. Okay. So that's true. So, so there's, there's a vein of truth in the no pain, no gain slogan. Now, the problem is people take it way too far. And the problem is that the intensity is quite individual. Uh, And what I mean by that is if I take somebody who's never worked out, it takes very little intensity to get their body to change their body's used to doing nothing. And so, you know, a, a, a few sets of body weight squats, um, at a moderate intensity where they can feel it a little bit, they can feel their legs burn a little bit and that's about it. That's enough. That's enough to get their body to change. Now, somebody who's extremely advanced who's been training for years, um, who's, you know, very strong or very fit and gotten their body to a very high level to get their body to, to change even more. They're, they're probably going to have to train much harder than the person I talked about earlier, because their body's again, it needs a reason. It's already adapted to a certain level of intensity and whatever to go any further. I might need to find ways to train it harder or to send a, a different signal. Um, by the way, and this is true for intensity, but also for um, you know how long you work out and how many exercises you do and all that stuff, the right dose for your body is gonna get you there the fastest. More than that won't get you there faster. In fact, it'll get you there slower. And sometimes you won't get there at all. And less than that will get you there slower. So it's the right dose, okay? More, not good. Less, not good. And the right dose is different from person to person, and it's different for you as your fitness improves, as you start to get better at the workout. So remember that. So the when you go into workout or you, you're working out, or you're training. Think about what have I done before? Oh, I'm just getting started. It's not going to take much. Now some people have trouble with this, and they say, "Well, how do I gauge, you know, the right intensity?" One way to know that you might have gone too hard is by uh, by if you're sore. You get muscle soreness. Now, most people think muscle soreness indicates that they had a good workout. So, if I get really sore, oh, I that was a great workout. You know, I I I worked out my legs and I can barely walk today. That means I must have had a great workout. It's actually the opposite. You you should feel no to little soreness after your workout. In fact, my goal with people is to have them feel no soreness. Uh, when they're training now, that's pretty hard because once you're kind of testing the intensity, you might go over a little bit and get a little sore and that's okay to get a little sore. But if your soreness lasts longer than a day, you went too hard. You need to back off a little bit. Now you mentioned failure. Okay. Failure is a term that's used in, uh, in, in fitness and in resistance training to mean that you lifted a weight or did an exercise until you could no longer perform another repetition of that exercise. Right. So, back to curls, right? If I did curls to failure, well, I'm just going to keep going until I can't curl the dumbbell with good form anymore. And so now I've hit failure. And so the value that has been preached around failure is, well, if you're trying to figure out what the right intensity is, then you know you've at least hit it if you've gone to failure because there's nothing beyond that. And so you're going to be okay. But remember what I said, if you go too hard, you'll get there a little slower. Now, studies also show that failure, even for people who train at an advanced level, is usually too much intensity. In fact, it stresses the body too much and it results in this prioritization of healing rather than adaptation. So so what are those two things? Healing is recovery, okay? So let's step away from exercise for a second and let's just talk about skin. So let's say I handle a rough object and I, I scratch my skin or you know I, I, I make my skin a little raw on my hand. So my body will heal the skin. That's the healing part, that's the recovery part. And then when it's done with that, my body may say, "Let's make this skin tougher so that next time it's not going to cause the same damage." And so then I start to develop a callus, right? The callus is adaptation. The healing was what just getting me back to where I was before. Well, if you train with too much intensity or too long or too hard for your body, Your body will only prioritize healing because that's what it has to do. It has to heal and it can't even think about getting resources to add new tissue, to add muscle or to get you to adapt. And so what ends up happening when you do this is you end up getting really sore or tired and then you heal and then you go back to the gym again and do the same thing over and over again and you never improve. So it's like, you know, I get sore Uh, my soreness goes away. I work out. I get sore. Soreness goes away. Nothing changes. I don't get stronger. I don't really build any muscle. I don't really burn any body fat. I'm just constant. It's like, again, like the skin, I'm just constantly you know, waiting for it to heal. And then I mess with it again, never allowing my skin to develop a callus. So that's why it's very important to be judicious with your intensity and to apply the right intensity. If your goal is to get your body to change and adapt, then do it smart. Don't just do it hard.
0: Yeah. I'll get, I want to get into one more concept before we get into the actual, what the workouts are kind of about. Uh, and this, I thought, I thought this was, this was brilliant is in talking about why people don't follow through, you know, they'll start a training program. They'll say they want to lose weight and, and then they, they don't necessarily follow through. And the first day, you know, they sign that gym membership and they buy the 12 Lessons, and you know they they're, they're ready to go, and they they make the first lessons, and then they're ready to quit three weeks right. in. You you call this motivation versus discipline? I mean, you know right. it's the two concepts of why motivation doesn't serve us, but discipline does. Can you talk about those two concepts and how we can put that and get the right mindset going into the gym or in yeah. our own gym?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're especially when it comes to fitness, we are obsessed. The average person is obsessed with motivation. And the fitness industry doesn't help this. It it promotes motivation is the key to uh, long-term fitness success. So everything is marketed around that. It's exciting. It's fun. It's motivating. We're here to inspire you and all that stuff. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with motivation. I love feeling motivated like anybody else. It's an incredible feeling, but like any other state of mind, it's fleeting. Okay. It doesn't exist permanently. You can't permanently stay motivated. So the challenge is never, how do I stay consistent with my workout? How do I stay consistent with my nutrition when I'm motivated? That's never an issue. Never. That's not a problem. I've never had to convince a motivated client to work out or to eat right. Right. The challenge is when that state of mind goes away like it always does. It always will. it's it's inevitable, okay? So how do we maintain long-term success? Well, it's not through focusing on motivation. Now, you can welcome motivation when it comes. have fun with it. That might be when you push a little harder. That might be when you get a little bit uh, more dedicated. That's probably when you're gonna have the most fun doing what you're doing. But really, we want to focus on how do we stay consistent? When that goes away. And the way to do that is through developing the skill of discipline. So, the good news is that what will keep you consistent is a skill. It's called discipline. And, like any skill, you can work on it and make it uh, better. You can actually develop it so that you can have a tremendous uh, sense and skill of discipline. So, someone might, might, might ask, Well, how the heck do I do that? Right? How do I develop? Skill of discipline. Well, to to put it plainly, when you're ready to get started, uh, and there's there's a little bit more complexity to this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna simplify it. When you're ready to get started on working out, when you're ready to get started with you know, looking at your diet and maybe cleaning it up, ask yourself the following: what is one step or change I can make now that I know I can maintain forever? And you want to use the context of forever. It's the only way to do this. And you have to be very honest with yourself. Okay. Remember, by the way, when you're doing this, you're probably in a motivated state of mind. So when people start to do this, they're in that motivated state of mind. Remember that you're in that motivated state of mind. Okay. So and and people always, if you ask somebody what their goals are, when they're motivated, they're always different than (laughs) when they're not so motivated. I'm I'm super hyped and, you know, I want to build a business and what's your, you know, what's your goal? I want to be a millionaire in the next year, you know, and then you ask them five months later when the motivation goes away and you find that it's, it's much different. Same thing with fitness, right? So remi- remember that you might be in a motivated state of mind. So talk to your normal self and ask yourself, what's one step I can take that is that I know I can maintain forever? Now, it still needs to be challenging. So it's, it can't be like a an easy step for you because otherwise it doesn't have any meaning. It has to have some kind of meaning, but it does need to be something you know you can maintain uh, forever. Start there. Once you do that, consistently. And once that becomes something that is now easy and doesn't really require you to, to, to utilize your skill of discipline, then you move on to the next step. And this looks very different from person to person. You know, I've had clients where the first step that we took was to have them drink, uh, you know, an extra two glasses of water a day. Like that's the first step that we took where I've had clients where the first step was to read one page from a a nutrition book or to do, you know, 15 minutes once a week uh, of exercise. That's the what. That's the first step that they had. But as you, you you work on this, you actually start to get this kind of snowball effect and it starts to happen faster and faster. And what you'll find is, although you won't get those fast initial results, like you might when you're hyper motivated and you throw everything at yourself, but the kitchen sink, what you'll find is the results have a snowball effect. So although initially you might have, seeing this with your results, like, oh, I lost 10 pounds and then I plateaued. And then, you know, five months later, gained it back. And then some with this, you might start real slow, but then it starts to accelerate, accelerate as if it's fallen off a cliff and then it's permanent. And then it becomes permanent. And I know people, when they hear me say, you know, it takes a little longer initially, They think, oh my gosh, I have, I don't want to wait any longer. I'm ready right now. You know, it's not as long as you think. It's definitely not as long as you think. Little changes, boy, do they add up over a period of time. You know, if I, if I took two parallel lines that were perfectly parallel and I moved one a half a degree away from the other one, just a half a degree, you wouldn't even be able to tell by looking at the lines with the naked eye. But if you followed them for a mile or two miles, boy, the distance would start to become quite massive. So that's how you develop the skill of discipline. Slowly pick one thing at a time, wait for it to stick. Oh, that feels good. I think I'm ready for the next step. And, and by the way, again, this is the only way that I've ever seen as a, as a trainer, and I've trained people for, for decades. This is the only permanent way for success. All the other hyper motivated, let's do this and crush it and whatever. Um, you know, I'm, that's it. I'm starting five days a week and I'm doing this crazy diet. That approach has a 90 something percent plus fail rate. Okay. Everybody fails doing it the other way. So it's, it's a guarantee. So even if you, even if you're thinking yourself like, Oh, you know what? I, you know, I I just want to get those quick results. You'll fail. So it's a waste of your time. It's complete waste of your time. And, And I'll even add that when you fail, each time you fail doing it that way, you set your body up for more challenges in the future through slower metabolisms, less muscle, more hormone issues. And psychologically, uh, if you failed at losing weight, you know, four times through that old method, at some point, you're just going to want to give up. Uh, I don't want to do that anymore. I know what happens every time I do it, it sucks and I disappoint myself. So I'm not doing it. Develop the skill of discipline, take your time. And again, there's a little more to this than what I'm saying, but this is a very simple explanation and, um, and your su- your chances of success are significantly higher.
0: Absolutely. Now, the resistance training revolution workouts, you have three kind of different levels there. Uh, you know, one of them is body weight only, one of them is body weight with dumbbell. And then the third one is um, with a little bit more equipment like a squat rack and a bar. And, and so a little bit more advanced. Uh, but something I think that's really cool because someone can get started with pretty much just themselves uh, and a few little implements that you can pick up practically anywhere for, you know, Amazon will have it at your door tomorrow kind of stuff. And, and I think one of the cool things I liked about the exercises that I want you to kind of get into as you get into it, is you use this concept called priming. So this is not, let's say, go warm up or go stretch before you do these exercises, but we're going to do some specific work before we do the work to make sure that we're in the right posture and right. range of motion and all of it to be able to perform this work safely. Can you talk a little bit about the workouts and in particular, uh, why priming would be so important?
2: Yeah, so all the workouts are traditional resistance training. They're all designed to uh, to to give you those benefits that I talked about earlier, right? Uh, speeding up the metabolism, making your body a more efficient fat-burning machine, so you burn you burn more calories, balancing out your hormones, shaping, sculpting your body. They're all designed to do that. But I, I gave three workouts because I wanted to make sure that people who had no equipment had a workout that they could perform. And then I did workouts with basic equipment because – uh, as you become stronger and more advanced, you may want to utilize weights uh, to 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 augment your workouts. And, and free weights in particular are extremely versatile. Um, they f- they fit and mold any body, whether you're young or old or whatever. Um, and they're they're again they're very very inexpensive and effective. So I, I gave three workouts so people have, you know, those options. Now, and by the way, dumbbells and barbells very inexpensive pieces of equipment. It's incredible how much money people spend. On ineffective, crappy pieces of equipment and how inexpensive uh, a, a pair of dumbbells is. I mean, I used to tell my clients this as a trainer, you know, I'd say, you can have the most fancy gym in the world. Give me a pair of dumbbells and a bench, and I'll train anybody and I'll get them in phenomenal shape. And any good trainer will know exactly what it will agree with me and they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, so let's talk about priming. So priming is another term uh, for warm-up. Now, the reason why I don't say warm-up is because it's different. Now the goal of a warm up, and a lot of people don't know this, right? People think when you're warming up, what you're doing is you're making the muscles warm, therefore it makes them more elastic or more pliable, so I won't hurt myself. That's not. That's really not what's happening. Your your muscles are not made out of rubber, so they don't become more elastic or less elastic because of hot or cold, unless you froze your muscles and, you know, unless you went in sub-zero temperatures and actually froze your body. Um, if you're, if you're alive, you're, that's not what's happening to your muscles. What actually happens and the reason why when you get warm or warm up, your body feels looser. And when you're, you know, when you're not warmed up, you feel tighter or whatever, really what's happening has very little to do with your muscle and has everything to do with your central nervous system. So the central nervous system, which includes your brain, really is the control center for your muscle. So anytime you move a muscle, it's the central nervous system that's telling the muscle to, to do something. And warming up is trying to get the central nervous system to be ready for exercise. Priming just does this in a superior way. So we'll talk about, for example, the the, the more common way that the average person probably tries to warm up, which is just static stretching. Right. So, uh, in peace, you know, classes do this still to this day. Right. So oh, I'm going to work out or I'm going to run or whatever. Um, let me do some hamstring stretches. Let me, you know, so I touch my toes let me stretch my quads. So I'll grab my ankle, pull it back and let me stretch my calves and, and I'm going to be, you know, warmed up or whatever. Well, first off, not a great way to warm up, but you may be you know, wondering, well, I do get more flexible. I know when I stretch my hamstrings, I all of a sudden can, you know, if I, if I hold that position, I can touch my toes more after about 30 seconds. Well, what that's doing is it's sending a signal to the central nervous system. That's telling the central nervous system to kind of relax that muscle and allow it to elongate a little bit. Okay. So now you have muscles that allow themselves to elongate more. You increase the range of motion. Why this is not a good thing before you exercise and studies actually show static stretching increases risk of injury is because you don't want a larger range of motion that you don't, that your central nervous system isn't entirely connected to. So the reason why you get more flexible as you're holding that stretch is because the central nervous system is to put, uh, I guess to, it's not entirely working this way, but this will explain it a little bit. It's, it's disconnecting a little bit or relaxing, It's signal is turning off allowing that muscle to stretch. You don't want your central nervous system to be turned off when you're exercising. You want it to be on because if you move in that range of motion or you have to do something quick or you're lifting a weight or whatever, you want it to be connected because if it's not connected, that's how you hurt yourself. That's how you end up injuring yourself. Like the example of my baby son, like I told you about earlier in this uh, podcast. So the best way to warm up really is to prime your central nervous system to turn it on and to turn it on in ranges of motion, in larger ranges of motion so that when you exercise, it's safer so that when you exercise, you're connected to the exercise so that you can activate the muscles that you're really trying to target. So that when you're squatting, if you wanna feel it in your glutes, you can feel it in your glutes. If I'm shoulder pressing, I wanna feel it in my shoulders. If I'm doing an uh, you know, overhead press, uh, my back doesn't hurt because my core is active and my my central nervous system is telling my core to stabilize my body. Priming does this. Okay, so what does priming look like? Um, there's lots of, there's an almost infinite number of priming exercises. I put uh, some of my favorite ones in the book, in the workouts. But to give you like a, a simple example, um, we'll use the example of like uh, uh, the hamstring stretch, right? So let's say you sit on the floor, you put your hamstring straight or your leg straight out in front of you and you go to touch your foot. But rather than sitting in that, that position, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stretch in that position and then I'm going to push down with my leg to activate my hamstring. And then I'm going to pull up with my leg to activate my hip flexor all while holding that stretch. We'll give you an example. So what I'm doing is I'm, although I'm uh, stretching the muscle, I'm telling the central nervous system to connect to this new range of motion. Not to relax, but rather to allow me to range, to stretch, but then also to connect to this range of motion. So priming does this. And I gave an example of, I didn't even put that movement in the in the book because that's a silly uh, priming exercise. There's much better ones. 90-90 is a good example of one. There's froggers and lots of other exercises that are excellent. So in the workouts, what's included are your five to 10 minute priming sessions that then prepare you for your workout and they make the workout safer and more effective.
0: Okay. Sal, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well?
2: Okay. So wellness requires, um, balance. Okay. It requires balance. You can be too extreme with fitness and nutrition. Um, and that's, dysfunctional and unhealthy. And you can also be too extreme in the opposite direction. So for me, wellness is always meant balance. Okay. So one step to achieve balance is to enter into an exercise program or a nutrition program from the mindset of self-care and self-love. So I'm doing this workout, not because I hate my body, not because I think I'm fat and I'm gross or whatever, But rather, I want to take care of my body. I want to take care of myself because I'm someone that deserves those things. Now, why does that provide balance? Because taking care of myself most times means I'm exercising. Most times it means I'm eating pretty healthy. I'm not eating lots of junk food. Um, I'm not drinking lots of alcohol. But sometimes taking care of myself means I'm not exercising. Sometimes taking care of myself means I'm enjoying some pizza with some beer, or I'm enjoying some time with my friends, not being active and having some drinks or whatever. So when you go from a, the state of mind to self-care, then you naturally start to find some balance, which leads to, to wellness. What's another thing that uh, I think another step for, for wellness? Remember that wellness is a sphere that includes much more than just exercise and diet. Wellness includes the relationships that you have with the people around you. Uh, it includes the relationship you have with yourself. How do you feel about yourself? How do you treat yourself? It includes a spiritual practice, uh, which can look like uh, organized religion. It can look like meditation. Essentially, it's a forty thousand view uh, of you know a forty thousand foot view of the world and life and what is the meaning behind why what I'm doing, and that'll get you through the tough uh, parts of uh, of things. Um, and then the third thing. Um, is to remember that uh, challenge uh, actually is what gives our lives meaning and challenge is actually a component of happiness. If you look at the studies on happiness, you'll find that we need to be challenged in order to uh, be happy. And that just frames uh, our lives. That just puts us in a a different position because life is hard for everybody. And if you uh, accept challenge it's still hard, so I'm not going to say it makes it easy, but accept it and understand that it brings you meaning and purpose, and it's a component of happiness, uh, then you might not add a layer of uh, of resistance to it.
0: Thank you, Sal. If someone wanted to learn more about you or the book, The Resistance Training Revolution, where would you like for me to send them?
2: Uh, so the book, you can find any bookstore. You can find it anywhere they sell books, or you can go to theresistancetrainingrevolution.com. You can find me on my podcast that I host with my two co-hosts, Mind Pump, and that's on all podcast platforms. And you can also find me on Instagram. That's the social media uh, of choice that I use. And my name on Instagram is Mind Pump Sal.
0: Awesome. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 489, and I'll be sure to have the links there. Sal, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Come back, Raz. Hey,
1: Alan. You know, I am the first one to say that resistance training is super important, but this is the first time I think that I've ever heard it uh, being better than cardio or anything else for that matter.
0: Well, I I think where a lot of people kind of lose the math on this, and it it can go both ways, is one, Mm -hmm. uh, yes, if you have more muscle mass, Your body is going to burn more calories at rest. It's going to burn more calories at everything you do because Mm -hmm. your body is supporting more mass and mass times distance is, is power. I mean, that's where all this stuff's coming from. All this energy's going is moving you around, keeping you there, keeping that mass on. Now, if you uh, were to try to use just weightlifting and say, I'm just going to lift weights and try Mm -hmm. to lose weight. Uh, that's probably not actually going to happen. So there, there's still there's still some nutritional things that you have to focus on. The the weight loss is going to happen in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to happen in the gym. And I think that's really the message of all of this. Now what type of exercise would be best for reducing body fat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not weight, not weight, but <laughs> fat. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's, it's pretty simple to see that yes, uh, you, you can run. And if you're, if you're taking care of your nutrition, you're, you're going to lose weight mm-hmm. um, and you're going to lose some fat, but you're also going to lose muscle mass. Uh, mm-hmm. there's not, there's not a, uh, a marathoner out there. You look at the professional marathoners, And they are bone thin. Mm -hmm. They have just enough muscle to run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. if you, if you sat down and put them on a bench press, probably not a, one of them could bench press their weight um, because they've never been asked to do that. That's not a part of who they are. Whereas you can look at a sprinter and you can look at them and -hmm. say, okay, that individual is carrying a lot of muscle mass because they're Mm -hmm. going shorter distances and they're sprinting and they're getting that done. And so that's a different type of work and it requires a different body type uh, Mm -hmm. to be good at it. Okay. You could take a marathoner and have them run a sprint Mm -hmm. and they'd be okay. Or you could have someone who's a sprinter and they could probably run a marathon, but again, they're just going to be okay. Mm -hmm. The body type to do those things. And sometimes that's self-selecting. Uh, you, you know, if you're, you're, you know, you, 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 there's a lot of conversations out there about how yoga, all these, you know, long lean women uh, and mm-hmm. men are doing yoga. And the reality is most of them are self-selecting to do yoga because they're, they're lean and thin and, and long, long limbed. And they, they just naturally move towards things you're good at. Everybody does that. You know, if you're mm-hmm. good at lifting weights, you're going to want to lift more weights. If you're good at running, you're going to want to run. Uh, that's just natural. But when we start talking about your body's ability to burn fat, if you have more muscle mass, you're going to burn more fat
1: yeah. in general.
0: So th- there is some math to it uh, from that perspective, but the the amount of muscle mass and the amount of calories that muscle mass burns is not this huge, huge number, but it's a little number over a long period of time. So if you're working to maintain muscle mass, you're putting yourself in a good position To burn fat. So you're retaining muscle mass and you're burning fat. So you got to find that balance of those Mm -hmm. two. And that means your nutrition has to be spot on. You have to be getting adequate protein to maintain muscle mass. Mm
1: -hmm. And you
0: got to be lifting, you got to be lifting heavy stuff uh, to have that muscle mass. Otherwise, your body is going to say, You're a runner. Mm -hmm. You really don't need this extra muscle on your torso. It's not, (laughs) it's not helping you run Mm -hmm. and your body will start to get rid of that. If you're not doing other side to side stuff and doing other lifting, certain leg muscles are going to atrophy over time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the muscles that you use to run are going to be really strong and lean and they're going to do what you want them to do for the running you're trying to do. And, and that's, that's where your optimization is, at least from a, an athletic perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of any sport that doesn't spend some amount of time in a weight room lifting weights or doing or body weight training, doing some sort of uh, resistance training, and even runners, especially when you reach my age bracket, forty plus. (laughs) uh, It's important because by doing these types of resistance training, you're um, you're putting more. I guess. Uh, focus on different muscle groups, which support that sport for me, it's running, but I'm sure, you know, baseball players, football players, you know, everybody spends some amount of time in the gym.
0: Yeah, they do. But, but you'll notice, okay, you're not going to see this, this hugely muscular guy playing tennis, right? (laughs) You know, they're going to have some muscle definition, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to be a bodybuilder. Look, it's just, they're not going to have that look. Right. Uh, Because that's not conducive to their sport. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to do this, you know, you're going to do cross training, you are going to do resistance training. You just have to think of it in, in those lines Uh, if Mm -hmm. you're naturally inclined to add a lot of muscle mass for certain sports, it's not going to make you better. Um, I was, you know, generally I have the frame and the musculature of a sprinter. I'm not very Mm -hmm. fast, but So I'm a very slow sprinter, but, Mm -hmm. but I, I basically have that, that musculature. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I was running marathons, I was this weirdo, you know, (laughs) I didn't look like them. They were all Uh pencil, thin, lean guys. And, and I'm coming up, you know, and they're like, okay, you should be, you know, bodybuilding. You shouldn't be running ultras. And I agree with them. I was carrying way too much muscle mass (laughs) to be good at marathons. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, there's probably a point of diminishing returns, but I think it's still definitely important to spend some time in in the gym somehow doing some body weight or uh, weight training.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's really the message I'd like to get to is, is unfortunately, um, or fortunately, because, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the way gym life goes is people will buy a gym membership. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a percentage of those people will go in and they'll find themselves at the treadmills because, they're the most commonly used piece of equipment. We put those in the front. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the next layer is going to be machines. And then the final layer is going to be the free weights. Now that's, that's in most gyms. If they have the capacity to structure their gym, that's how they're going to structure it because they know that 80% of the people are never going to make it past the treadmills Mm -hmm. and ellipticals that they're going to, Walk in and that's their workout. Now, the other side of what we also know is after three weeks of not seeing any benefit from being on the treadmill 45 minutes to an hour every day, five days a week, they stop coming.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You signed a contract so you keep yeah. making that payment that money keeps coming out of your checking account and then because you get comfortable with that money coming out of your checking account you never even bother to cancel when the year's over mm-hmm. and so they have a constant supply of money coming into the gym mm-hmm. for you to not use their equipment and so <laughs> that's how most gyms are structured financially that's how they make it that's how they're successful is by you coming in getting on the treadmill not seeing results and then leaving and not Mm -hmm. coming back. And what, what Sal's trying to say and what I'm trying to say is if you work yourself a little bit deeper into the gym Mm -hmm. and start doing some other exercises, you're going to see not just an advantage for weight loss. You're going to see other general advantages in your life Mm -hmm. when you're strong enough to do things that you couldn't do before.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, and now,
0: and now you're not, you're not dependent on someone else. And so if you've had to have someone else open a jar of pickles for you, Mm -hmm. that's a clear indication. Your grip strength wasn't strong enough and you lost in, you're losing independence. You're now dependent on Mm -hmm. someone to open jars for you. And that's just one indication that you could be stronger and you could be independent. You could do those things for yourself. Mm-hmm. You just have to focus on realizing that strength training is a very important dynamic. It's one of the first dynamics that causes people to lose independence.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense.
0: You know, you lose strength in your muscles and bones. You fall,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you break something. And and you're, for a lot of people, done. Uh, mm-hmm. just, I don't really have a nice way to say it, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for a lot of people, breaking a hip in their sixties is really the end. It's, it's, they've literally just written the script for the last chapter of their life, uh, with that fall. So, uh, Mm -hmm. taking some time, getting yourself stronger working on those modalities that aren't calorie burning, you know, because (laughs) (laughs) it can't, it can't all be about weight loss. You know, uh, your whole life, your whole fitness and health thing cannot all be about weight loss. When you get into that, into that mindset, You're, you're kind of losing, you're losing so much of what this whole formula is about Mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you win or lose on one bet, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm Mm -hmm. all in on weight loss. And then the weight loss doesn't come. We've lost that. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you can sit down and say, well, my goal was to get stronger, lose some body fat and feel better. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And you, you do get stronger. And you know you're lifting more weight, and you find yourself in an everyday situation using that strength mm-hmm. um you know that's that wins maybe you didn't lose the weight you wanted, maybe you wanted to be down at one hundred and twenty pounds or one hundred and thirty pounds, and you know you're stuck at one fifty yeah but you're you're still stronger, yeah, more capable. Uh, you have all of these other wins and things, you've got more energy, mm-hmm. um, you know, energy is life. And so, you know, yes, uh, weight loss can be important factor for a lot of people. And all Sal was really trying to say is don't stop at the treadmills, <laughs>
1: just, right. just go, yep. a li-
0: go a little deeper into the gym. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no reason for you to feel uh, intimidated by that. And if you are message me and we can have some conversations about how to feel more comfortable in that part of the gym, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, a lot of that is you've never done this. You don't know how that machine works. You don't know how that equipment can be used. You don't have a workout. You don't have all these things, but the reality is that's, that's the easy part. The hard part is, is, <laughs> is, is literally walking past that treadmill
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, 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 going a little deeper. That's the hard part. Once you get that done, you can learn everything else.
1: Well, for sure. You know, I've, I've been that person though. I've been that person who's had a gym membership walks in the gym and like You know, everything just escapes my head. I don't even know where to start. What do I do with this? But, you know, if there's uh, personal trainers like yourself and myself, and I'm sure the gym has personal trainers on staff, but if you go in there with some sort of a goal in mind or, you know, something purposeful and you can learn, learn how to lift weights and, and a motion that makes your arm stronger or leg stronger or core stronger. I mean, if you have a plan would be helpful. And and then seek strengths from that or with yeah. that in mind.
0: Yeah. And, and that is that is important is the plan. And then the other side of it is I will say this for weightlifting. And this weightlifting is probably one of the few things that where you shouldn't just play to your strengths. Mm, good you know? point. Too mm-hmm. many people will go in there and you know, you'll see the 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 pictures of the guy who's really muscular upper body and has like Bird legs—that's uh, a thing. That's <laughs> uh-huh. it. Actually, happens because people get to where they're focused on what one part of them their their strengths are, or maybe they're always doing like I. I know I went to the YMCA when I was in my twenties, and there was this one guy I'd come in, and he was an older guy. Don't and mm-hmm. and like I was just it was just he was so so freaking strong in the bench press, but that's all he ever did. He, he uh-huh. literally came in the gym and he did bench press. And then he would skip a day and he'd be back in the next time, bench press. And wow. then he'd skip a day and then the next day he'd be in, bench press. And and don't Goodness. get me wrong, at the time, the guy could bench press as much as I could squat. Um, but I doubt he could squat as much as I could bench press because hmm. he never used his legs. He never wow. looked at He only did bench press. And it looked, you could see it. I mean, literally, he came in, he looked warped. He looked Mm. deformed a little bit. And I know, I know, unfortunately, you know, at his age and a little bit older, he probably started having back problems, started having some issues where those imbalances are going to start playing against you. So, you know, I I will just say is have a plan, please have a plan. Don't just go in there and start throwing things around. It feels good. Don't get me wrong. Throwing heavy weight around feels great. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. get in there and start throwing stuff around. (laughs) And and you feel like you're accomplishing something. You'll be source crap the next day, Mm -hmm. you know, and and you're going to feel like you did something, which is which is one of the cool things about weightlifting is one of the ways of working out where. After doing the workout, not only are you tired then, but three days later, you're still feeling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most other ways of working out don't give you that uh, that feedback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not necessarily the right feedback, but it is feedback. Sure. Uh, so I'm just saying, have, have a plan, find a simple program, uh, go in. If you don't know how to use a certain piece of equipment or don't know how to use, do a particular exercise, take some time to talk to somebody.
1: Yes. Who knows? It
0: can be an online trainer like Rachel or myself. It can mm-hmm. be someone at the gym that's that's scheduled to do that, and or you know, is is there available to show you. Um, but learn the form, learn how to do the exercises and know which exercises you need to do, which days and and how that works for, for getting the work done, getting the recovery. Uh but yeah, uh, Sal's not wrong in saying that the treadmill is not your friend for weight loss. <laughs> sure. Because Again, you're sending signals, everything you do, everything you eat, everything, every movement you do, every thought you have is a piece of information for your body. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if you're giving your body the wrong information, you're going to get the wrong result. It's, it's quite literally, it works that way. So if you're training your body that you have to run every day, that's cool. Your body Mm -hmm. is going to adapt to be a runner's body. And if you like the look of the marathoner, and that's the body shape you want to have, and you feel good doing it, then run. Yeah. <laughs> Do it outside, though. You know, the yeah. Treadmill. <laughs> yeah. Treadmill's it's... fine, but you know, come on, uh, get outside and have some fun. Get some sunshine. Uh, mm-hmm. There's other health benefits to being out in nature and the sun, and and all those things. Plus, uh, running outdoors is different than running oh, yeah. on a treadmill, very, very different. So yep. being a good treadmill runner does not make you a good runner at all. It, it, <laughs> it can help, it can help mm-hmm. build endurance, but it's not making you an overall better, more balanced runner. So uh, just realize the treadmill is going to send signals to your body and it's not going to retain muscle because that's <laughs> not what, that's not the signaling. That's not what you're mm-hmm. telling your body. So the information you put in, which is the work you do or the, what the food you're eating or the thoughts that you have, Is the starting of the conversation. And then Mm -hmm. your hormones are going to pick up that messaging and their balance and everything that they're doing is going to work around that to get you where the message is is sending it. So, yes, your testosterone will probably go down if you're just a chronic runner. Mm -hmm. That's because you don't need the testosterone because you're not building muscle. If you're lifting heavy weights, the signaling to your muscles are get bigger Mm -hmm. and testosterone has to ratchet up a little bit to make that happen. Now we're over 40. So Mm -hmm. our testosterone is not going to be like a 20 year olds. And therefore our musculature is not going to be like a 20 year old unless we're doing something in the middle to affect Mm -hmm. that signaling like testosterone therapy, steroids, (laughs) arms, Those types mm-hmm. of things, there are things you can do to disrupt that, that chain, put something in the middle of it. But in a general sense, you're not going to get big and muscular. If you're a runner, you're not necessarily going to signal to your body to lose body fat either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there, there's a reason there's a term called TOFI, which is. Thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um, you're, you know, that there's a signaling there. And mm-hmm. so if you're chronically running, your body's getting signaling to potentially be a tofu if you're not focused on your nutrition and other health aspects as well.
1: Yeah. Well, for sure. I, I totally tell everybody that resistance training is important to be a good runner, but I think it's also important for just aging and, and having the strength to just live an active lifestyle as, as we do get older. So I think we, everyone should spend some time doing some sort of resistance training of some sort.
0: I obviously agree. And then I would also (laughs) say, you Uh know, if, if you're not working on, if you're just lifting and you're not working on your stamina, Mm -hmm. You're also leaving something off the table that you should have. So find that balance, find that thing that's going to make you the balanced person that you really want to be. And that's the strength, the bone and muscle density and, and, and thickness and mass, and also having some stamina. You know, to yeah. be able to move that mass <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, where where you need it to be when you need it to be there, because, you know, you never know. You right. we don't even have to go and do something that's going to require a lot more stamina. Uh, so, building all of those uh, to be the person that you need to be is really mm-hmm. where all of this comes together. Uh, so, don't necessarily listen to Sal or me or Rachel about <laughs> what we want for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have all of it. You need to have it in the right proportion to who you want to be because fitness is not a look. Fitness is fit for tasks. So decide yeah. who you need to be and then build your fitness programming around that.
1: That's perfect. Yep. That's a it's very individualized. Yep.
0: absolutely. All right, Rachel. Well, um, we can talk next week.
1: All right. Take care. Bye. Bye now.
0: Next time on the 40 plus fitness podcast. We meet Dr. Aviva Rome and discuss her book, Hormone Intelligence. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.